talk about somebody who didn't get any respect. Oh. <laughs> uh, to me, it's the best solo effort from the Beatles. I agree. No, I would, I would agree. Although Double Fantasy was no, no slouch. It was yeah. good. It was good. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of According to Alan. Um, today, I am joined with a, with a guy I've been dying to get in on a podcast, Mark. Why? Because <laughs> I'm, I, I'm fascinated by because right. I've had my, from my own experiences. I love I love the idea of religion and spirituality. Cool. And so for me, it's just something that I'll, it's like anytime I can get a chance to talk about God, I'm in. I appreciate that. Me too. Me too, actually. <laughs> Funny thing. <laughs> so can you tell my audience a little bit about who you are and a little bit of your background? Uh, sure. I am Mark Wilkins, and uh, the, the shortest part of that is that I am the uh, senior pastor of First Methodist here in town. Uh, but more than that, I am somebody, you know, you talk about the the whole idea of questioning and learning and, and developing. You know, I consider myself still a remedial Christian, which is to say, I am not somebody that has it down. I am not the guy that, you know, that, that is going to get it perfect all the time. Literally, God knows. And, uh, but it's the best part of my life. You know, I'm not a Christian because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I got turned on to, to Christ and to God. And that's what drives me, you know. So it's it's a lot of fun. I am the senior pastor, like I say, and uh, grew up in Maryville. Uh, grew up the youngest of three kids, and I sort of knocked around a little bit. Went to uh, Duke for graduate school, came back to Indiana, and I've been living here close to where I grew up for about the last 15 years. Wow. Yeah. How was Duke? Duke was great. Duke was actually the toughest thing that I ever had to do. I was the consummate blow-off student, okay? <laughs> uh, I lived my, my life by the idea that uh, anything over a C was wasted effort. And then I got to grad school at Duke and found out they would be more than happy to flunk me right out of there. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, I played a lot of catch-up, but it was, it was great. It was a really neat experience. And then I uh, got out, and I've served five churches since then. Wow. Well, I, yeah. I know that, like, as an observer from a distance, a little bit. I mean, it just seems so eclectic with what you're, which beyond what a normal pastor seems to be into, wow. um, between the concerts, between your work with veterans, specifically, and and you're also the police and fire chaplain. Right? I am. So I, I am. mean, those are really cool things. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I say that I, I you know I, I suffer from maybe uh, a professional ADD, which is to say, you know, uh, kind of squirrel. There's, you know, and, and the, the church provides me more than enough to do, but then all of a sudden, well, here's this great opportunity, and I, I, get to, I get to play with the police and the firemen. That's cool. How can I say no to that? And then I got to, you know, so it, it, it's sort of wide-ranging. I'm not sure I'm the master of anything, but boy, I sure have a lot of fun trying to, a lot of different things. Mark, that's almost like I feel like you're talking for me. The, <laughs> we're kindred spirits yes. in that sense. The squirrel is Amen. real. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. But it's like life can be so cool. And it's, I, I'm just yes. genuinely interested in, in like what's going on. Yeah. So it's like I have no problem jumping into like a police car and going right. on like a, a, a ride along or being in yeah. a doctor's office and hearing or even having a podcast with you to talk about right. yourself. This you know? is fun. Yeah. 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 Although I got to tell you, I am probably my least favorite subject to talk about. You know, Same. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I consider myself pretty, pretty boring. It's just I am blessed enough, lucky enough to live a life that's just a lot of fun and isn't always boring. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Um, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier a little bit about your 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 first interaction with God and like how you kind of like decided to make this your profession, right? <laughs> and that's a curious. I have a that's a that's a big yeah. question because like what what was that moment like and like what how did you build into that? You know, I hate to say this. This is almost anticlimactic and 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 real. Real Christians who are not remedials like I am probably, uh, this is going to be a disappointment. The truth of the matter is, uh, when I was about nine years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to be, and that was a dump truck driver. Okay, I really wanted to be a dump truck driver. That's what it was going to be. And then when I was 11, in Merrillville, we got this new pastor who looked like he was having so much fun and who would tell you that he was having so much fun. Honestly... I thought if I got to do something for a living, I want to do something that that's much is that much fun. So honestly, at that point, it was more as much a professional thing as it was a spiritual. And then once I got to know this Jesus guy, once I got to know, you know, sort of backfilled with that, all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I know why it's fun. Now I get a reason to do all this. And from the time I was 11 years old, all I wanted to be was a minister. And I recognize that that's a dangerous thing. When you get to do something you've dreamed about since you're 11, it's kind of like meeting your heroes. That could be a real downer. Instead, what I found out is it was more fun than I could ever imagine it being. Wow. And it's been 36 years, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been a blast. So... At eleven, that's really early on. Yeah, I think it's I think it's natural to be skeptical about oh, sure. going down this path of like, especially dedicating your life to it, right? Right. Um, what are some of like the early skeptical things that you did that maybe kind of re, like I guess uh, reinforced your belief system and like things that like you went uh, that I guess provided answers to questions you had. <laughs> I absolutely was not the kid that spent all of his time in church or even the youth group. I did go to church, did go to youth group, but I was not the one that trust me, please. When I say I was never a kid that anybody would ever look at and say, you ought to be a minister. Instead, <laughs> it was more like, he wants to be a minister because, you know, I, I had a wide variety of friends and got into a good deal of really fun trouble. And so you had a little bit of a hellraiser in you. Uh, more than a little bit, more than a little <laughs> bit. At the same time, I wanted to be a minister. And I look back, it's like, what a dichotomy that is. But it didn't feel like it at the time. And uh, fortunately, I had, I had incredible parents who supported me in that and just kind of rolled their eyes and said, you know, someday you might have to grow up a little bit. Well, we're still waiting on that one. You know, we're still waiting. My wife would tell you I'm 12. But, uh, but anyway, but, you know, the more experience I've had, it, it's life experience. It's, it's being able to be a part of what is going on around you and entering into the life and the good parts of the people around you and the bad parts and the pains and the joys and everything else. And honestly, rather than burning me out, that has fired me up. Wow. And rather than take away my faith, that has burned it deeper. Hmm. Not that my faith is complete, not that God is done with me yet, not by a long shot. Uh, I, you know, I'm still a major dork and I have witnesses, you know? <laughs> If my staff were here, they would all shout amen to that, you know? Uh, and I'm still having a blast. 
you know, I'm still having a blast. So I, I feel like the life that I have been able to live because of Christ is a privilege. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I won the lottery and I wasn't even playing, dude. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there is a, there, this is like a really personal question for yeah, me because absolutely. it's it's one of those times where it was my second time through college. I was studying English and I just started getting fascinated. I just had a million questions about reorganized religion, God. And then someone recommended The Case of Christ by Strobel. Yes. And, I, and it was a great jumping off point because it takes a real academic yep. uh, point of view into answering a lot of these questions. Yeah. And it blew me away, right? Which started Absolutely. this next two years of just figuring everything out. I think the scary part for me, and I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on it, was I thought that it was the, where it got a little bit fearful for me was it felt like it was really altering my perspective on the way I, I like I was seeing the matrix of like life <laughs> it does and I was really starting to see things with almost like a thin veil of like this is black this is white right. and black and white are are defined by good and evil right and it was almost like I was getting so much information that I had to walk away from it yeah it can be take that a healthy sometimes. distance it, it is it is tuning into reality a different level of reality but tuning into reality absolutely um, and, and, you know, you talk about Lee Strobel, uh, you, you said a lot that, that bears comment there. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, in terms of religion, to me, religion is about rules. To me, religion is about superimposing a behavioral standpoint and all this other stuff. I am not a terribly religious guy at all. Hmm. I'm a Jesus lover. And that is something that goes beyond the rules and goes beyond. I mean, you know, it, it is about relationship and finding value and meaning in that more than any, in, more than anything else. And you, you talk about it just turning open, you know, sort of fine tuning, bringing things into focus. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was scary. Yeah. I mean, there were times where... Um, I was I was in Mexico for someone's I think I read a book in the Bible where it was about like drinking to excess and <laughs> how, you know, that's obviously negative. Uh, <laughs> and I, I actually like I read it and it was like at that point in my life, I'm like, well, I'm not going to I'm going to stop drinking. I stopped drinking for like eight months wow. and I was at a friend's wedding in Mexico. And when I was there, it was like the signs were so like clear that it was like, I've got to turn this off. I'm, I'm literally going to sound crazy to people if I ever say this stuff out loud, you know? Yeah. And there was this one guy in particular, I'll never forget it. We're, my wife and I are walking down the beach. We had a little bit of time. We're just like, let's go explore the other beaches that are next to our resort. And we're walking, and this guy was like super drunk, came up to me with like three beers, and he just couldn't stop laughing and smiling and like, hey, you want some of this, don't you? Right. And it was like, wow, I'm literally seeing the devil giving me something and tempting me back out of my thing. It's like, this is not healthy to think this way, you know? Right, right. It was wild. Yeah. And it's not that you don't do it because it's against the rules. No, it's, it's more like, what I would say is, you know, for the guidelines, for the guardrails, it's like when my daughter was young and she wanted to put her foot, her hand on that stove top and you say, don't, that's going to hurt you. Yeah. And I love you so much, I don't want to see you hurt. So God's not some cosmic killjoy that just wants to take away the fun for the fun. He just loves you enough. He says, look, dude, just so you know, you go over there, you're going to get hurt. You know? Yeah. So out of curiosity of what you said earlier, that you're not a very religious person, right. but you're a big Jesus person. Yeah. Do you see any kind of difference... Because this is one thing that I would say that I feel like when you start going down the organized religion part, 
that gets a little like I feel like problematic in my head out of making sense yeah. of it is that it seems like it's so Western driven. But it seems like if you really focus in on Jesus and like what was going on yeah. in his life, it's very Eastern in a lot of ways, too. Yes, absolutely. And, and so where does that kind of fall for you? Well, I mean, it is there. There is certainly some level of where you where I hate to use the word organization, but something corporate. Uh, I don't believe being a Christian was ever intended to be lived out as a solo thing. We're not, we, we are not uh, the solo agents out there. There's, it's a group effort. But at the same time, it is all about relationship. And it's all about being more free rather than being more tied down. And it's about being able to find joy rather than obligation. And, and I've never found the, the point in guilt or necessarily the, the, the point in obligation. I don't worship Christ because I'm obliged to. I probably am, but that's not why. It's because I get to and because he has served me so much and because there's so much relationship there, it's a natural thing. Interesting. It's, it's kind of like this, and you and I were talking about music a few minutes ago, so I have a pretty good idea on this. I'll bet you have that internal list of songs that you're driving down the road and either it comes on the station or it comes across on Spotify or whatever, that song pops up, that there's absolutely this moral imperative, I got to turn this up to ear bleeding level. Yes. Okay? Which is the only way to really listen to music. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I can be on my way to a funeral, and let's be honest, Springsteen's Born to Run comes on, it's getting jammed. Yeah, right? that's okay. a great one. You, exactly. All right, being a Christian to me is living life at ear bleeding level. It doesn't make you safer. It makes you more in more of an adventure. And and it'll take you to the highest highs and maybe leave you with the lowest lows. And it'll give you a reason to get up in the morning and it'll put you to bed utterly exhausted that night and ready to get to it the next day. And it is more fun and more heartache and more joy and more tears. It just takes away that dull middle ground it's life lived at ear bleeding level and i totally believe that wow. I, I really really do and if i wasn't a pastor i would still believe that you know <laughs> that's not a company line yeah well it's, it's so how do you try to think of how to put this the best way because my the first time i want to ask this like how do you trick yourself into thinking every single day that every single item can be that driven that trip but a trick is yeah. not the right word right no I, it's just how do you fundamentally there's a mindset yeah, yeah like like see the opportunity in all the like this spectrum of emotion that that's a beautiful beautiful question because it's it's hard because all of us tend to settle i'm going to settle in so here's what i got to get done today and here's what i got and here's what i got and here's what i got and there's this sense in which you have to train yourself to be able to look for the miraculous and look for the, the, the curveballs that God's going to throw you. Look where Jesus shows up in the weirdest places, you know, and in the weirdest people and in the weirdest opportunities. And, and, but you can miss it, you know. I, I don't quote a lot of Elizabeth Barrett Browning, but Elizabeth Barrett Browning said, every bush is aflame with God's uh, with, with with God's message, but only those who see it take off their shoes. Everybody else sits around and picks blackberries. Wow! So it's this 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 weird sense of when I get up in the morning saying, "Okay, God, 
I have no idea what you're going to throw at me today, but I'm in. As long as you're going to hang with me, I'm in. And, and just give me the eyes to see it. Just give me that heart to be willing to embrace it, you know? Yeah. Do, do, do random people give you that feeling too? Oh, yeah. So, like, how do you, because, I mean, I think that's a fun one, right? Is that like. Oh, my gosh, that is. You know, it, it, it's like certain people have a way of saying things to you at the right time that you never, and it could be completely perfect strangers. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, that, and, and that's my boss. That's, God speaks in, in the strangers. Yeah. Really? Oh, absolutely. And and people who have no idea that that's what's what's happening there. Yeah. I mean, talking to you, you know, talking God's voice comes in sometimes the most unexpected places. And that's the fun of it. Yeah. You know, that's the fun of it. You know what the hardest part is? What's that? In my opinion? Yeah. Is when your back's against a wall and relying on him again. It seems to be really easy when like yeah. everything's going well. And I'll give you like an example on my end is um, when COVID happened. Mm-hmm. I actually listened back to the COVID podcast we did the week of the shutdown. Uh, th- yesterday, I actually listened to it. And it was amazing to see that like there was so much problems inside that moment. No one knew what was going to be happening. Right. And then about three weeks into that, we had like we pretty much went out of business. I mean, there was mm-hmm. nothing to do. I mean, it was it was ending. Yeah. And there, it was like such a like a this overwhelming moment of like anxiety. Right. It was a blanket. And it was just it's, it's one thing to fail on your own. It's another thing to fail out of like circumstances that you had nothing to deal with. Yep. And it took a, a, I, I'm very grateful for it. We have a Bible study group that uh, that we work with. It's all my, from I go to Faith Church in Cedar Lake. Cool. And um, there's like six uh, couples that we meet uh, at least once a month. And it's been really awesome. That's neat. And we did like a Zoom call during that time. Yeah. And somebody said something in that group that was just like, you know, I did you ever just think about just putting it in Jesus's hands yeah. and taking it out? Because it's and, and it was. And, it, and uh, sadly, when somebody says that to me, sometimes the answer, the most honest answer is no, I haven't. I should. I ought to. Yeah. But now that you mention it, gee, how can I be this dumb that I have not? Because that's not always my first reaction. Right. My first reaction is me. I'm going to cinch down. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to get better. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And I get, have this feeling God kind of sits back and says, yeah, you go ahead and try that. Go ahead. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> hanging back here when you go flat on your face. Just yeah. So you need to go through that. Go through that. And it's when you hit your, your when you go face down enough times, say, oh, yeah, I guess you had this all along, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of did. Yeah. kind of did. And it felt like a huge, like, it was yeah. like amazing. It was like, I saw the words come out of their mouth and it was like this hu- instant, like huge weight off my shoulders. It's yeah. like, I don't have control. I've right. never had control. Yes. I, I that's don't. It is, oh, there, there is, that's enlightenment. That is enlightenment Yeah, it was right great. There. It was a big moment for me. It's a freeing thing when you realize I can't handle this. Yeah. And I'm really not competent enough. When I talk about being a remedial Christian, that is the most fun for me because what remedial means is in need of remedy. So, you know, I love the fact that I'm, I'm a doofus. And I have, you know, I, I have no innate kind of, uh, belief in myself. I just believe in what God can do through a doofus like me. You know? I went through a... Uh, <laughs> There's something in there in my for my tombstone. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> doofus. 
I, I went through, forgive the story, I went through this training that was mandatory that I had to do, and it was about learning to trust and stuff like that. And the guy kept on talking about, you know, you need to learn to trust yourself, you need to learn to trust yourself, you need to... And finally they opened it up for, for comments, and uh, this was just a few months back. And anyway, I said, no offense, but the last person I want to trust is Mark Wilkins. <laughs> Because, dude, I've seen what this guy can do, okay? <laughs> he frightens me, all right? This guy should not be allowed out in public. I don't trust me. But, man, I trust in this God who can work through him. Wow. This God who can do way more than he can. And my struggle every day is just to get out of the way. Just get out of the way and let God do what God wants to do. It's only when I try getting in the middle there. Yeah. That's when it that's that's when when the walls start crumbling and 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 the the floor buckles. But it's that and honestly that's it. it. That's my prayer every single day is just shove me out of the way and let it not be about me and you do what you need to do through me around me if necessary in spite of me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's in spite of me. For sure. Yeah. But just shove me the heck out of the way because you're right. It's not about me. It never has been. Yeah, and it's a wild it's it's a wild like I guess crossroads to hit. Yeah. It really is. Cuz it's you know even if it's like something cuz I like like you're saying and I think that's probably us being men too cuz I feel like you know we can handle the problem. Yes. Uh we'll take care of it. Right. But then there's like a certain point to it if it's like, you know, you get I get when I'm at my worst mentally is when I'm putting every every single ounce of weight on my own shoulders. Yes. Right. It's every single time and I don't even realize I'm doing me. it until it's like days in. Right. Like the um the Christmas tree thing outside around the square. You know, it was very tough for me to do that for two straight weeks where I was putting in 80 hours a week. Yeah. I'm trying to be as communicative as possible while also balancing what other stuff is going on. But it wasn't until like the day after the event. So we're talking two weeks of just beating myself up. You right. know? And then it wasn't until like the day after the event where I almost needed like 48 hours to just not talk to anybody. <laughs> just sit in my castle. Right. <laughs> and just and just turn it off. And it wasn't yep. and like I still don't think I've completely recovered from putting so much weight on myself. Right. And it's like even in that moment, I don't know why I was like feeling like I still had control. Yeah. Uh, that's our human nature. And I'm not sure that we ever completely outgrow that. Because when the challenge comes, when we feel out of control, our immediate instinct is to grab and to hold on and to assert ourselves and to assert our competence. When the essence, you know, Paul Paul says, I'm strongest when I'm weak. I'm going to celebrate my weakness. Because the essence of it all is being able in that moment to say, okay, yep, I'm, a, I'm beyond my depth and I really can't handle this. So it's up to you, boss. You do what you need to do. Do you, you know? feel that way when, you, when you're speaking in front of the congregation too? Oh, gosh, yeah. Because I feel like that's a really tough thing. Like if I'm trying to put myself through like the way that I would do that, mm. is like I know some churches have like systems and they have like messages that we're going to talk about this for the next right. month. Yeah. But it's like if you don't – I feel like if you don't have that, then you're right. like – do you get like – do you have like a list of things of inspiration that you're like, I'll – I'm going to talk about this this week on your iPhone, your iPhone notes. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this one. And then like how much research goes into those? How much oh, like, geez. how does that work? I was doing that this morning. I mean, typically a sermon, I, I usually preach in series 
And typically a sermon will start off. Well, I was I was doing March today. Um, at least two March. or three months. Oh yeah. Wow. Just because I'm not that smart enough to be able to pull it off in five days. <laughs> you know, I'm really not. Um, and it, for, for me, it starts off with a lot of prayer and a lot of knocking stuff around in my head. And then it'll go to like a paragraph and then it, it'll go to, I mean, there's a whole process to it. It gets developed. I have a team of people uh, that God has given me that's just really, really cool. Bunch of dear people who I respect and who have who are very acute in their thinking. Anyway, they're they're my prep team. So we'll get together once a month. And I'll say, okay, guys, here's this idea, here's the series, here's what I want to say, here's the point I want to say on this day. And last time we last time we met, they complete, no, that doesn't make any sense. And they will scrap it and help me rebuild it. Helps me see it through their eyes. Wow. It's called the sermon prep team. And so anyway, so it just goes, but it's funny, no matter how much background there is, no matter how much you have worked and everything else, in the end, I'm scared to death up there. In the end, I am absolutely, because my prayer is always shove me out of the way. Because I can have the best background and the best research and I can know it really well. And if it's me, if I'm the one up there and it's about me and it's based on me, dude, it's going to be as dull as yesterday's dishwater. <laughs> okay. Wow. Meanwhile, God can take even something that I'm not, and he's consistently done it, something that I am just absolutely not sure at all about and breathe fire into it and breathe life into it and breathe everything into it. So... You know, typically before I pray, my, my prayer goes something like, you know what, with you, this can be everything. Without you, it's going to be nothing. So just clear me out of the way and you speak. Wow. So, so again, not about me. Not about me at all. That's crazy. So like when you're doing your, so like I'm going to rewind a little bit here. Yeah. When you're when you're bringing your idea to people, is that that's coming from like is it is it coming from a place that's like obviously you've been at the church for a long time and you've probably got to know like the people that yeah. attend re- really well, and are, is it like well we haven't talked about Job in a while right. maybe it's time to bring that back. Well, sometimes it is that it's more like and God is a way of bringing the stuff up. Oh man, you know what? In the last two three weeks, I've just. I, it just happens that I have seen so many people who are struggling because of the natural fact that they doubt and they feel guilty about doubting and they don't know what to do with it. Okay, there's a need there. There's a need. Yeah. So let, let's do a series on doubt. Let's do something on, on that or unanswered prayer. You know, if somebody says to me, again, you learn to listen. And somebody, you know, you, you hear a couple of people say, you know, man, I prayed and it didn't come out and I'm really struggling with it. Okay. What do we do with unanswered prayer? So really what my system is, is to see the need, to look for the need that God puts in my lap, and then to bring the Bible into that. Other pastors will say, okay, and this is perfectly legitimate too, here's Romans, we're going to pick apart Romans and see what needs come out of that. I start with the human needs and try to say something to that or, or see how God says something to that. 
That's interesting. So you see, I mean, you're pretty much a mirror of your congregation then. I mean, oh, if yeah. you if you're getting like a lot of one thing coming. Yeah. But if you're if you're if you're scheduled till March, how do you how do you kind of like supersede that? <laughs> yeah, there's there's always that opportunity to be able to switch that in the in the meantime, but um Normally, uh, those needs will still be there in March. What I'm hearing today, right now, you know, is still, still, uh, still going to be there. And uh, you know what? What we're talking about this spring, what I was working on this morning, is just our innate ability to burn stuff down and to trash out our lives. And what does what does God do when we when we've burned something to the ground? And I am surrounded by these great people that I can go to and say, Hey, what do you think about this? You know, what, what, how does this hit you? And they're honest enough between, you know, my assistant at work, uh, Dano, and, and, and a, there's, I have this really, really super cool guy in his 80s who uh, I've known forever, retired pastor. And he doesn't care if I call him up at 6.30 in the morning and say, hey, Dave, I was thinking about this. What do you think about? And we can play tennis with that. So, and, and so... It, those will always, there's always a development process no matter what. So interesting. Yeah. Cause it's like one of those, it, I guess I, I, the thing that would be a battle is just like how much of it becomes research, you, you know, like, cause like you want, you want to give people facts, yes, right. And you yeah, want to be able to like, here's the absolutely. whole background of right. everything that you're reading about that you may not right. understand on a first watch yep. or first exactly. read, exactly. but here's what's being said. Here's why it's being said. And right. here's the ultimate thing. And then it's like, do you use that as a platform to kind of riff yeah. a little bit too? Uh, oh gosh. Yes. Yes. Because I always wondered if like you guys have that scripted or is like, oh, or no, are you no, guys no, no. riffing at one I point? I have. Oh, absolutely riffing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I've said, I have, let me tell you, I've said some phenomenally dumb things when I riff. Okay. You know, <laughs> now the benefit of having been at a church like this for 15 years and knowing and loving these people is most of the time when I say something dumb, they'll tell me that it's dumb. And I mean then and there. Okay. So, you know, I, I've been known to get heckling and we can pick back and forth. And there's a real, there's a real comfort there, a synergy there that goes back and forth. But yes, absolutely. You, you kind of have the framework, but then you got to be sensitive enough to be able to know what's going to work and what isn't. And Again, it's such a benefit having been here for so long because now I'm looking in to somebody's face and I know what they're going through and how this applies to them, you wow. know? It, it, but at the end, you know, yes, you want them to know the facts. You want them to know all of that's important. But the bottom line is we call it the Monday morning test. The bottom line is come Monday morning, how is this going to affect them getting up and facing their week? Because I can give you the backgrounds on Ephesians all day long, and I can tell you what what the motifs are and all that, and that's great. That's sometimes really important. I'm not not dissing that, but man, when you're when you get up and you're still struggling with a relationship or a job, you don't know how long you're going to have, or kids who are driving you crazy, or trying to you know whatever it is. That's what I'm most interested in. Is how does all of this and how does what God do, does in Jesus bring to bear for that? You know? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it is. 
It is because it's like that's we had one dude. It was probably seven, seven, eight years ago now, but it was like one service I'll never forget. And and I think you're speaking on this a little bit is like the positive and negative of life and how like to really amplify yeah. that. But there was this one woman and Pastor Dave Weemhoff at Faith. Uh, I thought he handled it like a total pro because I don't know how you do it otherwise. But he there was this woman who was like really distraught with something. I think we found out later that she lost a dear friend to cancer. And like in the middle of the service, she just stood up and she's like, like started calling him out. Wow. Word for that word. That sounds real. It was intense. And, and, and even in the moment, cause you're like, initially when you see someone oh, stand up in front of 200 people, yeah. you're like, is this, is this put on? Right. Right. And then when then you start right. to realize like, wait a minute, no, this is real. This person is like hysterically crying. And, and like the whole oh thing gosh. that she called him out on was like, it, it, why would, why would God make bad things happen to people? Oh, that was man. like the, and that's such a big question, right? right. right? Like oh, that's, that's the math. biggest. That's that the is, biggest. That's, that's number one with a bullet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he just kept saying, like, you know, hey, uh, you know, I would love to answer that, but I cannot do it right now. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll right. talk. I'll make sure to talk to you at the end of the service. Yeah. You know. And it was like in the meantime, she's like hysterically crying, and I think a couple other people that were at the service like walked up to her and started like hugging her, like All while right. I was on the pew. So it was a really cool moment to witness. And that's it. You know, so many of those questions. Yeah, that question is great legitimacy, for sure. Usually when somebody asks that, though, they're not really looking for an answer. They're looking for comfort. Mm. They're looking to know they're not alone. So by all means, let's, let's talk about the answer. Let's, let's, I'm not, not trying to whitewash that. But don't think that they're looking for cognitive kinds of reasons. Let's sit down and reason the, the philosophy and the trajectory of this argument out. No. You're hurting. Let me love on you. Which is an act in itself. We'll go figure that out. We'll figure the rest of that stuff out. Yeah. But right now, let me sit with you and cry with you right now. You know? And that's that's the most important thing. Wow, that sounds real. It was intense. It was intense. I have not had that. And God, it's okay. (laughs) Let me make clear, God. It's okay that I haven't had that. I'm not volunteering. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got to give him a lot of credit. It was great. I mean, he handled it like a total pro. And I was like, wow, I, would, I don't know how I would have handled that. Cause that's such a, you don't see that coming. Right. You know, but the best part about it though, is that it's real. Oh, there was nothing fake about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, church ought to be a place where real life is lived out rather than insulating us from life, rather than insulating us from the world. Church is the place where it ought to get real and nitty gritty and down and dirty, and, you know, rather than being, the, you know, I always laugh, church has this rap, and you watch how it's portrayed in popular media, of being this rarefied kind of lollipop and unicorns. You know, but no, church is where it gets real, man. And that's, you know, I'm not talking religion, I'm talking about the reality of life intersecting with the reality of what God does in Christ. And ain't nothing more real than that. No. And out of, out of curiosity, do you have like a response to something like that? If someone listening is dealing with something like that, maybe have those emotions. I mean, yeah. obviously it's a comfort thing, but it's, I guess that's such a big question. Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, it's really tempting to give pithy answers, to give those, you know, two or three of those bumper sticker theology kinds of answers. Yeah. Uh, Reality is, you know, I mean, and, and, and there's a whole lot more to it than this, but 
I don't believe in a God that ever wills anything bad for anybody. And I think stuff happens all the time that breaks God's heart. But it doesn't mean that God is passive in that. It doesn't mean that God gives up and walks away. So just because something that happens, you know, give me, you lost your dad, man. And that, that hurt. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And I've lost people I love too. And I gave up on the God that planned that, that wanted that. May have known it was coming, but it wasn't necessarily what God thought was a good thing. But God enters into that. And God is active in that. And God uses that. So that whole question of theology, it's called theodicy. Why is there evil? And I mean, there have been volumes and volumes and volumes, but you know, the best thing that I could say to somebody in a very short venue is, you know, I don't believe in that God that willed that either. But I do mm. believe in a God that cries with us and slaps his arm around us and wants to take us to a better place. Yeah, well, in peace. you know, that's one of the weird things about life as a human being is just that we're going to die. Yeah. And that's a tough that's a tough crossroads. I think I just turned 40. OK. And uh, for me, like these these decade years <laughs> seem to have like these weird these weird like just light bulb moments that happen. 30, wow. I felt like I was a failure. Right. And at 40, it felt like I, I, I was really comfortable going into it. Right. But then it was like, I'm going to die. You know, it was because <laughs> before that, it was like I could say, hey, 50 years from now, I wonder right. what the world's right. going to be. And like in like 50 years from now, I'm probably going to be dead. Right. And so it's like, wow, the it, it felt like the first time I was confronted with my mortality um, in a direct way. Right. But. It's just an it, it's it's just a so tough time. So you're four. Let me get just just to sort of sum this up. You're forty and you're feeling old. As a sixty-two year old, let me sincerely say, shut up. Okay, <laughs> just just shut up. All right. I am bald. I am old. Okay. You know, I always preface things with, well, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. But anyway, but uh, no, no. But you're right. Uh, and and just in general, life can get broken. Yeah. Life can get broken in a lot of different ways. And rather than that disproving the reality of God, that drives the need for God and his grace deeper for me. You know? Hmm. Sooner or later, life's going to get broken. And I think God hates that too. But man, God moves in at that moment and does amazing things in the midst of the brokenness. God does his best stuff. In the broken. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, I remember one time I was in like third grade, which is like probably my first like real evidence that prayer works. I think I got caught like <laughs> studying, like like, st- like cheating on a test or something or something bad at school. I don't remember what it was, but I remember I remember coming home and just praying like, please don't let you know, please yeah. let my dad just like not be so pissed, <laughs> you know. And he wasn't. It was like it was like wow. wow I think God cool. listened on that one, you know. Wow. Yeah. Or clearly, my mom heard me. Clearly, I was not praying the right prayer then <laughs> when I was when I was your age. I just remember a lot of veins standing out on temples of adults who were around me. I, I really, really still do, actually. You know. <laughs> uh, speaking of prayer, and I think it all kind of intertwines because this is—I don't know how to articulate this. Okay. Okay. So essentially, God lives in a plane that's above us. 
I don't I don't know if I don't know if the around geography us. around right. us is right, right, but at least it's like a plane that we cannot physically see. Right. We can maybe feel. We can maybe like you know see the inner workings in it, but it's like we don't see God. We're, we're, it's, a, right. it's a presence that you either are aware sure. of or not. Um, but that presence of like religion in the way it works and spirituality, I'll say that it works on a day to day basis. It seems to be kind of like pointing towards the goal of, of your, your eventual death that you'll lead into like a better afterlife in some capacity of heaven. I take issue with that. Honestly, okay. In, yeah. in what way? Um, I, I, and, and I understand what you're saying, but that's not the point to me. That is not the point. The uh, the point is that eternity is in session here and now. So the question I always ask is, if they were put a no vacancy uh, sign on heaven today, okay, sorry, no more take, takers, would living life in relationship with God and Christ make any sense anymore? If you take out the afterlife aspect of it, would living your life here and now in Christ make any sense whatsoever and my answer for me is absolutely Hmm. absolutely i think faith is so much more than yes it does affect what happens after my heart stops and after uh, you know i go to the funeral home my my body goes it 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 plays a huge part in that but a long time before that it's about him giving me life here and now it is interesting to me that Jesus never really talks a lot about heaven. He affirms that it's there, talks about that there is an afterlife for sure. But come on, man, it was his hometown. Don't you think at some point he would have said, so let me tell you what it's like, right? He didn't do that. Right. But he didn't did, do that. But he did mention hell. Yes. And the, the time that he's the 40 days he spent in hell. Well, well, the 40, the 40 days was in the, in the, in the wilderness. Um, he does mention the afterlife. But here's the thing. If you put it on a teeter-totter and everything Jesus says about an afterlife is on this side and everything he talks about how we're supposed to live and how we can live here and now in this life on this side, that far overweighs it. Jesus talked a lot more about how do I live in the relationship with God and the presence of God here and now than he does about later on. So it's so my faith is so much more than the placeholder for when I croak. Okay. Yeah. It's about how do I live if I, you know, in in the here and now. You know what what jeez, you you you're probably young enough. Back again, back when dinosaurs rolled, roamed the earth, they used to teach this prayer, you know, to to kids. You know, I, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, now that alone is weird. Okay, let's just say you know, that's no, that's, that's a way to traumatize your kid. That's boogeyman in the closet. Right, shit, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. If I should die before I wake, well, my problem is not what would happen if I died before I woke. My problem is what happens if I wake before I die. Whoa. What happens if I wake before I die? Oh, man, there's some possibilities there. There's some adventure to be lived out there. There's a whole lot of growing to be done there. That's what I'm interested in. And if I can learn to love and be loved by him in the here and the now, then I figure once I, my body checks out, whatever happens from here on out is just a logical extension. Sure. You know, so yes, you're right, and I don't mean to to take issue, but no, please you, do. You, you're, you're right that it, it, you know, life points towards death, but what I'm saying is, 
Life points towards life and, and becoming alive here and now. And if I can truly be alive to him here and now, ear bleeding level, then whatever happens after that, I may not know exactly what it's like. I, I'm not much on clouds and harps. I'm really not. I, I'd take a lead guitar and, a, and the, ability, <laughs> the ability to play it, which I don't have. But anyway, but whatever it's going to be is cool. Because I get to be with this guy that I know and I love and who loves me and has showed me that he loved me because he went to a cross for me. So that's going to take care of itself. I want to know what happens if I wake before I die. Hmm. I mean, it makes it puts everything in, in the present tense. Yeah. That's for sure. And then how to maximize that as much as you possibly can, which I think that like naturally, from, I'm only speaking on my, 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 my perspective, but it feels like the more I practice fundamental spirituality, yeah. the more that seeps out. Yes. But then there goes weeks without I don't even think about it. And I'm just like, why am I not praying? And I, <laughs> like, it makes no sense, you know? But it, it, that, I mean, then it's like, it's kind of like doing your homework. It's like, if you do your homework, you're probably going to get an A. Right. <laughs> the, the result of the A isn't really a big deal as long as you take care of everything you're doing when it's, when it's coming. Right. That's it. exactly it. So you, That's exactly. It's not about the final exam. It's about what you learn along the way. And what I think we're supposed to learn is how to be alive in him and how to love and be loved and how it's not about us and how to serve, serve him by serving others and selflessness and all that kind of stuff just sort of evolves out of that. So I don't do that stuff so I can go to heaven. I do it because he loves me and because I'm learning to love him. And that then that stuff comes and then Sooner or later, I'm going to die. And then I get to go hang out with him and that's the, let the party begin. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, from, from your side of things, uh, a question that I feel like a lot of people end up having is the, the concept of free will and predestination. Yeah. Where, where, does, where does the Methodist church fall on that, or more specifically you? you. Um, I, do, I, I believe that we all have choice in life. As a matter of fact, I think the only two things that ever are ever truly ours are our choices and the consequences of those choices. So God may know. Here's, here's where it gets a little bit tricky. God may know what my choice is going to be because God's standing above history and looking down. I really don't think that God gets shocked a lot, <laughs> okay? You know, I, I can't picture God up there saying, wow, I did not see that coming. No. God may know what's going to happen, but that doesn't mediate my ability to choose. Hmm. Because when you stop, think about it. What is love unless it involves choice? You know, if your wife had no choice in the matter but to love you, what value would that love have? Okay. Yeah. And I guess that's my problem with like the idea of reincarnation, like that whole concept of it. Like, I think there's a point of like, I believe in it for sure. Like the Dalai Lama, like if you research how they find that is crazy. It doesn't even make sense. Like the, the one Dalai Lama dies, they wait until the reincarnation yeah, right. of the soul happens yeah. and they only have questions specifically for this person right. that was the Dalai Lama. And somehow every time he comes back, he remembers the answers. It's crazy <laughs> yes. to think about. Yeah. But it's like in, in the side of it, it's like, it feels like 
predestination really leans itself towards re- the idea of reincarnation because it's you. A lot of people would say that like it's the. I'm reading this book right now called like Free Souls or whatever it is, and this is the con- this is like the whole concept of it is that like you have multiple lives, and then your your like your goal is that when you come back to Earth is to rethink how you were doing it in the past lives and re mm. like cleanse your soul while you're yeah. here at that. But that's kind of leads itself to predestination, which I don't even know if that's re- you know it's weird. Right. My issue, among other things, including the fact that it's not necessarily biblical, my issue with reincarnation goes much deeper than that, and that would be eighth grade dude who would volunteer for the eighth grade twice okay i'm out I, i'm out i'm it's done it's so funny you say that i told <laughs> no, slater dude. this a couple right. days ago i'm like dude the only reason why you would never want to get reincarnated is yeah. going through school a yeah. second time sits okay <laughs> sits. yeah brutal first dates oh. okay i think god loves us way too much to put us through zits twice <laughs> that's my theology <laughs> Amen. That's, that's just <laughs> my theology of it at the moment. Okay. Because I think everybody has like that thought in second or third grade where you start to like wrap your head around what you're about to do. It's yeah. like, I got 10 more years right. in this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's no. never going to end. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Where's the clicker? I want to hit fast forward now. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> that's so funny. You're fun to talk to. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, so free will. So yeah. free will is like playing a part of it for sure. Oh, I absolutely. I believe that at any given moment that God has given me this wonderful ability to choose him and to choose love and to choose selflessness. Now, with that, unfortunately, there comes some negative stuff because we don't always choose well. But even then, God doesn't give up and walk away. God doesn't say, oh, well, you messed that one up. Good luck. You know, Riva Dirty. I liken it to GPS, okay? My GPS does not cuss at me, but it should. Okay, it does. It does not cuss at me, but I fully expect one day it's going to, like, break into Tourette's and just, just curse me out because, you know, I'll be going down the road and, and it'll say, you know, bear to the left. And I'm thinking about squirrel. Look, there's a squirrel. You know, I'm off to the right, you know, okay? Yeah. Yep. And I make the wrong decision. And rather than rather than saying, okay, you messed it up, good luck, and shutting itself off, it says, okay, we're going to reroute. Now, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer. Maybe you're going to go through some neighborhoods you, do, you wish you didn't, you know? <laughs> maybe it's going to take a little bit. It's not going to be as convenient. But here's a chance to still come home, to still do it. So God says, look, I love you so much, man. Here's the easiest way for your life. Here's the way that's going to be the optimal for you to be able to, to know and prosper and have all this other good stuff. And we mess it up, you know, because of free will. We turn right when he, when he wants us to turn left. But he doesn't give up. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't punish us for that. He says, okay. We're going to reroute now. Let me tell you, this ain't going to be as easy. And maybe there's going to be some repercussions from that decision. Or, you know, that, that, maybe it's going to be hard, but I'll be around. And I'll get you through it. And, and you know what? Here's a new set. You have the opportunity to be able to do, the, do, do it right this time. Remedial. Okay? Yeah. A remedial God. And 
that's the cool thing because I can't tell you how many times God's had to reroute with with me. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you did what? Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. yeah. It seems to happen quite a bit for me. Oh like, yeah. Uh, the um, this is a random question, but I feel like I, you're probably one of the only people people I can probably ask this to, and I'm not. I, I'm I'm sure there's not oh. a definitive answer. Wh- how does manifestation work in these in the in inside this? Because there are so many times I would say over the past oh year where this we say something out loud yeah. and then literally whether it's seconds or it's minutes or hours it comes full circle. It's wild. Today I'll give you a perfect yeah, example of today. Please. Sitting in my office, there's a gentleman that comes and knocking on my door, just a solicitor, right? He comes in, he sits down, does his thing. Another one of my staff members walks in, listens to the whole conversation. He's here for like 30 minutes, right? Speaking of, you know, the stranger component, right? Right. right. Then, literally, he walks out of the office. He, as soon as he walks out, the girl that's on my staff goes, I don't know, I don't know if I really liked his energy. He was, it threw me off. Okay. She couldn't even finish that sentence before he walked in. And was like, hey, are you guys looking for a new social media manager? Because I know this girl who just got, and literally the girl that just said that is our social media manager. Oh, wow. So it's like she said something negative about him. And within seconds, <laughs> he was walking in with her replacement. I wouldn't even know what to do I, 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 As soon as he left, I'm like, That's I'm like, hilarious. are there cameras on? Is this a joke? That's hilarious. You, uh, your, Larry David yeah. couldn't write right, that. Right, absolutely. Or there's times uh, two, uh, two nights ago. Another perfect example. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my English background or whatever, but I get these words that pop into my head mm-hmm. and I forgot the definition of it. Okay. And I think it's one thing. And most of the time I, I reconfirm it through a Google search. Right. This one in particular was Troubadour. Okay. Right. I'm like in my right. mind, I felt rebellion, that kind of thing. But then right. I look it up and it's like, you know, it's a 12th, 11th century romantic. That's like a poet. Right. A singing minstrel kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I get to work uh, like two hours later and we've got this thing on YouTube where it's like shows us, it's actually a really cool idea. This guy puts a camera on top of his car and drives to all these different places. I think we were in South Korea yesterday and he's just driving around, but he plays this indie rock playlist. So it's really cool to listen to, but you also get the view of like these different places. It'd be in like Sweden. And Oh, wow. As soon as that thing turns on, he turns a corner. There's a huge bar that says Troubadour on it. And I'm just like, I don't even know what that, what does that mean? What are the odds of that? So like things like that where you say like, hey, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. And then hours later, it's on cable. How does that play into this whole thing? I'm not not entirely sure, but certainly I understand what you're saying. There's connectedness there. And life is much more intricately connected than maybe what we give it credit for. We always look for the randomness in life. And life can feel at moments really really random this happened then this happened then this happened it's when you look at those connecting threads and you sometimes you gotta look at them in the rearview mirror sometimes you can only see those in the rearview mirror but you look enough for the connecting threads and you see the pattern you know somebody likened it to uh the old tapestries okay and if you look at the back of a tapestry it looks like random threads okay it looks like just nothing you turn it around and look at the front, and you can see this the beautiful pattern. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And life, there are patterns, and there are there's an intricacy to it that I think God works in. 
there's connections there that are just absolutely fascinating. It makes no sense, but it makes all the sense in the world. Exactly. It's wild. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's like my brain short wires and I'm just like, I don't, what is going, I don't even know how to. uh, Yeah. I'm living in this world that I can't even begin to grasp. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think the problem is our, our, our world is too small because we, we close it out. You know, we set up our blinders. So I'm going to see between here and here when God's world is so wild and wonderful and just open and there's connectedness there and there's, there's miracles and there's, you know, all of this stuff. If we just have the eyes to see it, you know, crazy. I I always, I, it's a romantic perspective, but I love it. It's one of the reasons why if I'm over at someone's house or in someone's car, I never want to touch the radio. Mm-hmm. I never want to. I want them to play the randomness of what I'm about to hear and then try to like just buy, like, like feel it out because it's like there's this I think angels are in music. Yeah. I oh, think the I've... lyrically side of it, it's like there's times where it's like, man, it never fails. It's like you're really feeling like this peak of emotion of, of whether it's happiness or sadness and somehow the perfect song just yes. comes on. I agree. And it and you've never heard the lyrics ever. But for right. this time. You're hearing it. Right. And and maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense, but then later you look and say, oh, yeah, that's what that was about. Yeah. I mean, I will admit that oftentimes I I will wake up with a song in my head, and if, and if I wasn't a remedial pastor, I'd say that it was a hymn. But no, if I wake up, it's going to be Tom Petty. If, if, if I wake up, it's going to be you know Jethro Tull or whatever. And a lot of times... I'll say, okay, God, why is that playing in my head? Maybe that just feels a little bit random. But then later you realize, oh, that's kind of the soundtrack to my day. Okay, so yeah. so my boss was getting me ready for that moment. Eh, maybe that sounds silly, but but I, I do believe in that. And I believe that God works in music in a powerful way. I want answers, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, I dude. want definitive answers. Yes, yes. <laughs> Because it's like I want it's my wild. burning bush, and I want yes, it now. I want to be Moses. I want to see it. That's right. Yeah, it's just it's, a, it's that's what's so wild and about God the laughs. world. And God Every laughs. Time. Yeah, I'm sure it's like <laughs> this guy. Yeah, you know, right. it, it's just like it's amazing, just so like how random and how like connected and like that's that's where it's like easy. I, I love exploring it, but it's like yeah. it's like the Kennedy assassination in a lot of ways. <laughs> I start down with all this wow. motivation, and then I right. end up in the same place where I started. <laughs> And it's like, why do I do that to myself? Why why am I exercising that, you know? Sometimes life, especially life in Christ, is best just experienced. There's a a place for figuring it out. There's a place for intentionally kind of boring in. But there's also so much of that that means eventually just experiential, letting, letting... experience what Christ has for you in that day, in that moment, in that experience. Born to run on full blast, man. Oh, ear bleeding level. Yeah, yeah. Ear bleeding level, the the boss. And that's one in particular that blew me away. I remember buying the album from Captain Ed's in Michigan City. It's like a record store. I don't even know if it's still there. But they had this big boat in front of it. It was like a pirate ship. And I grabbed it. I think I bought it for like eight bucks. I just finally got my record player. And I remember putting that album on and was totally oh blown away. Like the Born to Run yes. sound in particular. Uh-huh. I mean, when, when like the chorus is going through its breakdown, you can almost see the stars through the oh, keys yes. of what he's, what he's, it was like, it blew me away. Yes. 
Yeah, we've been talking, you and I have been talking in this whole thing about yeah groups at the beginning and those first three albums of Springsteen's. Oh, insane. Just amazing, amazing music. And it's amazing how many people don't, like they literally hate him. Oh, it's either a love or hate with him. Well, it's never... I will admit that he lost me a little bit later on when he kind of got significant. But those first three, when it was kind of raw and when he had his voice. Just, and the shows were, they had to be oh, crazy. Oh, we were talking yeah. off air a little yes. bit about seeing bands at their height. Well, yeah. Seeing, seeing that group at the Born to Run height had to be special. friend of mine um, was went to see him, and it was funny because I want to say 71. He was booked to be the intro act for Judy Collins. And poor Judy, because in between the time they signed him and the start of the tour, the first album broke huge, and he was on the cover of Time magazine. Consequently, everybody showed up for the opening act. <laughs> and then by the time she took the stage, there was nobody in the theater. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the 70s were like a prime time for oh, that. Yeah. Like, you could really explode quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now it's like, you have to like know somebody who knows the band. Right. It turns you on. You have the time to listen to I it. I think it's much more gradual. I mean, for one thing, you had all these AM rock stations. Yeah. See, we started out with predestination. Now and we're here we to, are. To, here we are. We can't get off of it. And, roll. Yeah. and I'm good with that. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> solid good with that. You know. So I'll ask you a hypothetical. Yeah. If you had a couple different times that you could have seen a band at its height, what would they be? Oh man! Oh, you're killing me here. Uh, it's a big question. Yeah, it is. Would love to have seen the Who uh, back in the Tommy era. Okay. Um, I don't think I would have fared well at Woodstock, but would have loved to have seen, you know, Woodstock. And I would have to say Springsteen in that uh, Young, the Innocent, the E Street Shuffle uh, era. And then, you know, you and I have also talked off air uh, uh, that I have a predilection for Alice Cooper. And would love to have seen Alice in about 71 or 72. Yeah, that would have been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I, I would have loved to have seen... Um, Bowie on oh. on the uh, um, which one Ziggy Stardust yes that would have been cr- to see I him agree. walk out like an alien and like the oh, size clubs he was probably yes. playing at that time oh would have, yeah. I, I don't know what I would have done absolutely I would have loved to have seen so we'll see it's like the Stones were already big so I don't know if this one fits there but after their like little three year run of seventy to seventy three. Mm-hmm. After they stopped trying to be the Beatles. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Like, I think that would, I mean, I think that's got like, uh, what is that? Sticky fingers. There's, that's, uh, yes. let it bleed. Uh, you can't always get what you want. Waiting to exit oh. or not waiting to exile. Let's go exile on Main Street. Exactly Main like Street, that yes. three run tier would have been like crazy, oh but that's like post Altamont. So like, I don't even know how that band really would have been at that time. Yeah. But like Otis Redding in the late sixties oh, would yes. have been in, or James Brown. In oh the, Yeah. Especially in like a small venue would have been. I, I, you, there's no way you're not loving that the yes. second you walk out of it. Oh my gosh, you couldn't. How, yeah, how could you not? There, there was so many of those that would just be absolutely amazing to be able to see. Um, maybe, maybe you and I have talked about this. Uh, maybe Dylan in his prime when he was actually. Well, what, what, it's like you're talking like painted face, tangled up in blue, yes, blood on his tracks. Exactly. Dylan. Yes, that Dylan okay. probably would have. You go much beyond that, uh, it, it, it would have been a little bit tough. Um, I mean, there's just so much. I mean, I grew up, again, I grew up 70s when I grew up, so so much of that uh, uh, Jethro Tull would love to have seen 
tall at their height. So there's there was a lot of them. So yeah, I, we had um, I, like how crazy would it have been to like just be living in New York City and then see the Velvet Underground at one of oh Andy Warhol's places when it was like you're not seeing any of that yeah. ever. Yeah, that's got to be crazy. Or I thought if you could go back late sixties, early seventies, and just live by the troubadour in California and L.A. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, you're seeing Elton John when he's starting out. Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin. Oh, Janis would be amazing. Oh. Carol King, James Taylor, Jackson Brown. I mean, all of these people that just sort of filtered through that was just absolutely amazing. It had to be amazing. Oh, just to be in that, like, that's the thing. If you could be in a time machine, yeah. what era would you go back to? Where, where would be, oh, like, geez. would you go? What would you want to see? Not music. It doesn't have to be music. Anything. Yeah. Wow. That one I got to think. I mean, certainly it'd be, it'd be tempting to go back to, you know, the times of Jesus and to be able to see, see that. That's mine. Right. I would love to see, like, what went down the 48 hours before his, like... Yeah. Like, to be, like, a fly on the wall yeah. for, like... You got, you, got, you got someone, like, selling him out. You've got him going crazy. You've got getting, him getting crucified yeah. and carrying a cross. That's got to be that's insane. the most dramatic three days of our whole church year. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's just over the top. You, you talk about ear-bleeding level. Life is at oh, an ear-bleeding level at that point. Absolutely. Is all along the Watchtower about the crucifixion of Christ? Is the, is the Joker and the thief the sides of him? I don't know. All right, now I got to go back and Google that. <laughs> now you got now you got me going. There on was that one, one day I was reading the lyrics, and I'm like, if this isn't about the uh, the crucifixion of Christ, yeah. like him, all three of them being on the, right. it doesn't go into detail with it, but it's That's it's interesting, interesting to see it in that perspective. There are so many songs that, whether or not they were written from a Christian perspective, I can listen to, and it just blows me away. Um, for Easter uh, at church. I had them do a reprieve from from Tommy that looking at you I see the glory looking at you I see the millions you know it's just I can hear this stuff and it's like it's so reflective of what I'm feeling in that moment towards Christ you know I really doubt that Townsend you know intended that for that for that purpose but by golly, that's what I what I hear when I when I hear that. So I'm gonna throw one at you. This yeah. is totally random. I did not yeah. I did not I did not choose to do this. This is not something pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. preordained. If you had to do a sermon on a deaf, dumb, blind kid playing pinball, how would you spin that into 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 into, into, into a sermon? <laughs> oh, geez. Not, thank you for not putting me on the fire. spot here. Cross you fire. know that's yeah. <laughs> You don't have to answer I'll that. I'll tell you what. Let me go back and listen to Tommy about six times, and then maybe I'll give you an answer. Cool, cool. Well, Mark, do you have anything you want to plug? I'm good. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, you're, just, you're an established author? Uh, yeah, Is there of, any of that of stuff sorts. you want to do? No, that's up to you. I mean, no, no, no. I've written some books that are uh, collections of Indiana folklore and stuff, and... Uh, that kind of stuff, but uh, life is just full, man. It's just, it's, it's just really, really full. And uh, now, when are we going to air this? When are we going to? I'm probably going to air this tonight. Cool. Yeah. Well, one of the things, if I could plug, sure. We're sitting here in the courthouse, and one of the things I'm really, really excited about is, as a church, I love this on Christmas Eve. Rather than inviting people in, which we are, you're welcome to come to church, but we're going to come. We're taking church to you. 
because at Christmas Eve at five o'clock we're doing as our present to Crown Point a uh, a Christmas Eve service on the front yard of the courthouse. So cool. Out outdoors, gonna be able to just probably about forty five minute service, but uh, it's is just simply our way to be able to take that message and take it to life. You know. What time is that? That's 5 o'clock Christmas Eve, and we would love to see anybody who wants to stop by. And then we're going to be going back and doing three more services at the church. You're welcome there, too. But I would love to hear you preach, man. I think it'd be oh, awesome. Jeez, Well, it is it is the scariest thing I ever do. So you're still, to this day, frightened when you're on stage? To death. Wow. To death, yeah. And I, and I, and I don't know that I ever want to get past that. Because, you know what? I, because there's something of awe in that. And maybe it's that very fear that you and I were talking about pushes me to the side and let to let God do what God wants to do. Crazy. I I hate that part personally. <laughs> the anxiety before you hit the stage. Yeah. My favorite part though is when you catch a rhythm. Yes. And it doesn't happen every time. You're right. It doesn't happen you're every 100% time. You're 100% right. But man, it's like when you see the game completely clearly and you're yeah. being able to like make eye contact, describe like what's going on. eye contact and when you realize there's that connection there, that's that's the best part. You got them then. And again, you know? You know, I've been here 15 years, so now, yeah, it's it's much more of a family event. As I told you, I have this congregation, they'll heckle back, okay? They got a great <laughs> sense of humor, you know? And if I say something dumb, someone's like, man, was that... Dumb, I'm sure it's know? Carl Lissick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we won't even talk. Yeah, talk about. I actually, I was harassing him on uh, uh, during a sermon last week. But anyway, but it, 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 yeah. But you're right. When there's that rhythm, there's that crystalline moment when it kind of comes together, and that's so much the other. That's not you. That's not my. No, that's it, not and you the, can't. You can't. You can't make it happen. No, either. you cannot. No, no. And it's like the anxiety instantly is gone, and there's like this this calm confidence in it too. Yeah, it's just weird. It's like it's it's again. It's like a manifestation. It's like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing Dude, in that moment. You're on for the ride. At that point, you're on for the ride. You're not driving the bus. No, okay? no. It's yeah. the strong sense that there's somebody else driving the bus, and I'm good with that. <laughs> you take yeah. it where you want us to take it. I'm more than happy to, you know. My first time, I was in a band in college my first time through. And, uh, like, we would play shows and stuff. But there was one show in particular. It was down at Purdue. And I was lead singer because I was the only one who would, like, do it. Like, right. who could overcome the anxiety. Right. 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 And there was a moment where I didn't have to sing anymore. The crowd was singing so aggressively back to me. Oh, that like, I just had to put the mic out there and people were doing yeah. it. And it was like, that was the moment where it was like my first time feeling yes. that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. I don't know why. Though. And that is so organic. It is just yeah. so natural. Yep. You're right. You cannot construct that moment. You cannot manipulate that moment. You can't wish that into existence. But you can step aside and let God do God's stuff, and it just sort of falls into place there. It's so awesome. So awesome. The anxiety is like the exercise to get to that. Yeah. You know? But what good thing have you ever done that wasn't a little bit scary? Oh, I just read a super awesome quote that fits that. It's like the... um there's no there's no adversity that hold on, I, I wrote it down. That's how that's how much I was into it. It's uh the bigger the adversity, the greater the opportunity. I like it. 
And it's like, oh, yeah. dude, and it's every time I feel the worst and the most yeah. stressed, it's always behind or in front of a great opportunity every right. single time. Yeah. Just getting out of your own way and doing it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, and I'm not even a roller coaster guy, but it's at that, that cruel moment when you go up and up and up and then it stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're, and just you're looking, looking down like, yep. and you know that your guts are about to come out your ears. And it is horribly frightening, but there's also that thrill. That's why I came. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's why I'm up here, you know? And baby, hold on. Hold All you got to do is hold on and let it happen. I don't want to turn this into a five-hour podcast for you. I know you've got something to do. But um, there was like we were, my my daughter's now getting to the age, she's four, where she started to do stuff on stage at church where like it'd be like a thing. Love that. The first time she did it, I asked her like on the way to the the church, I'm like, hey, um, are you nervous? And my wife like instantly like punch me and right. I'm like and I'm like no you don't understand that's how it is right you've got to learn to enjoy that nervousness right exactly you know I'm exactly. like not mentioning it is not doing anybody favors right you know it's and, and 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 you know the enemy is not fear the enemy is complacency big time the the enemy is beige okay yep I can you know I can I can put up with fear, I can even if I have to. I'm not a big fan, but I can deal with adversity. But dude, complacency? There's no future in that. I don't. I, I could never work a full time job in a cubicle because of that. Yeah, I've done it once, and it was like I was I was like a bear coming out right. of the zoo. I couldn't. That's just why I started this. <laughs> well, a, a really lousy example, but I love this. Uh, Clint Eastwood had a movie number of years ago called uh, Heartbreak Ridge. And he's an old Marine who gets arrested and he's locked into this jail cell with all these big rough looking guys. And he looks at him and he says, you can hit me, you can kick me, you can beat me. Just don't bore me. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That should be a quote on That's the wall. It. Yes. Mark, thank you so much thank for coming so in. Thank you so much this for is having awesome. me. This was great. Okay, Thanks cool. so much, man.